after. Praise the Lord. Have you, this is your home church. Is this your home church? Then, uh, then amen, hands up. Praise God. Congratulations. We've got, we got a full house here. We're going to need a bigger, gonna need a bigger building pretty quick. Praise God. So, well, my name is Ashley Terridis, and uh, I appreciate you inviting us out here. Pastors uh, Defile and Chief it's been great coming out here. And, um, you know, it's uh, fir- our first time in South Africa. And uh, today, this morning, is our first time preaching at a church in Johannesburg. So this is it, praise God. But we believe we'll be back again, and uh, we'll be here again, praise God. But uh, if you're a visitor today, I want you to, to know, uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you're a visitor today, I know some of you, this is your first time ever. Maybe I will ask for a show of hands. Hey, we're, we're brothers and sisters. So how many of you, this is your first time ever in Faithful Church? This is the first time you've ever been here in Faithful Church? Wow, lots of you, praise God. Lots of you, amen, congratulations. Amen. You got, you, you're attending a life-giving church right here. This is a great church. And I'd really encourage you, you know, uh, maybe pray about coming back next week if you haven't got a home church that you're happy with. Come back next week. Pastor Defar will be teaching. And uh, you're going to get good life message at this church, praise God. You're going to get the real gospel. You're going to get life-giving messages. And uh, I'm telling you what, you're going to leave church feeling better than before you came in. And not all churches do that. <laughs> so, this is video. Don't make me careful. But... But uh, we, we, we're honored to go to a lot of churches, and some churches we, uh, we only go once. <laughs> and this church, this church will come back as much as we can, because we love this church. But no, we, we love your pastors, and um, you know, this, is, this really is a great church. So if this is your home church, and you call this home, congratulations. You're going to a great church. And um, you know, the, the, it's only been going three and a half years, and this is supernatural, the increase that they've seen already, praise God. There's a call of God on this church. This wasn't just a good idea. This is a God idea, this church. And I believe Faithfield is going to see... Many. I mean, this is just a this is just a seed form. Even now, you're going to see so much more. Praise God! And I believe this church is going to influence this city, influence this nation, and influence this continent. I really believe that, and it's already happening. Praise God! So, I'm so pleased to be here and excited to be here. So, um, um, I want to tell you about this real quickly. We have, do have some products we brought with us because we want to bless you. We want to make sure you, we, you know we've got a short amount of time together. So I want to make sure I'll make the resources we have available to you. So we have um, a few things at the back. What we did was is, you know, we have CD sets and and USB sets, but they're big and bulky and heavy. So we actually made, had these cards made, our staff made, and they they converted our teachings into little cards, plastic cards like this. And uh, what you do is is you uh, get one of these cards, and then you go to our website, and you scratch off the number like winning the lottery, you know. You wouldn't know about that, right? You scratch (laughs) woo, everyone's a winner, okay, everyone's a winner. You scratch that off, and you go to um, you go to our website, and you download the whole teaching, and um, they're uh, they're all MP3, um, you know, like uh, compressed audio files. So even with slow internet, they should work. And um, we have all our teachings out there that uh, that would really help you. And this one is uh, more than enough. This is a four lesson teaching on how the supernatural uh, provision of God comes. So it talks about like uh, the feeding of the five thousand, and the widow woman, and, and the water into wine, and things like that. How can we see that happen today? So that's called more than enough. So who needs more than enough in their life, God? Uh, Josh, you could be the runner again. This is my son, Josh. Thanks, Josh. We love Josh. And then uh, this is Keys to Living Happy. This is, the book, this is a study on the book of Philippians. So this is, a, this is a study me and my wife did together on the book of Philippians. And I believe this is eight lessons on here, Colin? Eight lessons on here on the book of Philippians, teaching about um, how to, uh, all sorts of things, overcome fear, Access peace, access prosperity, being confident, forgiving yourself of your past, all things like that. Kind of knows more than me. But there you go, Josh. Give that to someone who needs, who needs to be happy. Who needs to let their face know that they're happy? Praise God. And then, uh, and then I guess we've got one more here. This is called Buy, Sell, Repeat. This is talking about how to buy and sell things and uh, make extra money. It's just like uh, how to negotiate 
how to list things and stuff. And it's 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 a, uh, a lot of it's on Craigslist, which is I know it's, I think it's only in America, but they have eBay. I put eBay on here as well, so there's some eBay teachings and stuff on here. And just it'll just help you on how to negotiate and how to uh, make money and buy and selling things in a godly way. So, Josh, give that to someone who wants to make some extra money. Who wants to make some extra money? <laughs> Amen? Every hand should go up. If you want to make some extra money, you can give more. You can give more, praise God. Amen? Amen. You can give more. Praise God. Well, I'm excited to be here. You know, um, I believe I've got a message for this church today. Well, I know I've got a message for this church today. And, and we're going to go on a little journey today. Is that okay? Yeah. Hold on tight. We're going to go on a little journey. They've locked the doors so you can't get out. <laughs> I'm joking. But I'm going to say some things that some of you may automatically think, oh, I've heard this before, or... I don't believe this or anything else. You know, I really encourage you. You know, we're going to look at the Word of God. And, you know, a lot of the times we have to go back to the Word of God because we don't realize that our experience has, has formed our thinking or traditions of man or religion has formed, our, has formed our thinking. And we don't realize that actually some of our thinking doesn't line up with the Word of God. And I don't know about you. I want all my thinking, all my believing to line up with the Word of God. Praise God. So, so let's, let's go for it. Amen. So uh, look, turn your Bibles to Second Corinthians Second Corinthians nine eight. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse eight. We're going to start here, and uh, we're going to look at something. I, I just want to declare why you're looking that up. You know, I hate lack. I hate it when people don't have enough to do the things God's called them to do. I really do. I hate lack. I hate poverty. I hate the fact that lack of resources and 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 lack of lack of finances can actually cause people not just to not do God's will, but can cause people to be hindered. Can actually cause people to 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 not even uh, live a full life. To to you know not even have enough food, not have enough medication, things like that. So I hate lack. Lack is not of God. Okay, lack is not of God. God's provision is always more than enough. Lack is not from God. And I, I'm just. I just hate lack. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just, I just hate lack, and I don't like lack. Any area of my life, any time I see lack in my life, I fight against it. And I want to encourage you today. God's will for you today is to have more than enough in every area of your life. He has not planned for any one of you to be shortcoming or have shortfalls or not quite make it or be hindered because you haven't got enough resources. And God's will for you is that you have more than enough to do everything God's called you to do. That's his will for you. And I know that there's people in all different situations. I can't teach every single one of you individually. But I'm telling you, if you hang on for the next few minutes, you'll find out this will work for you. I guarantee this will work for you because it's the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't discriminate between people's education, age, where they're born, where they're from, culture, backgrounds. doesn't discriminate any of those things. doesn't discriminate any... The Word of God only discriminates between believers and unbelievers. That's it. You either believe it and it works, or you don't believe it and it doesn't work. In fact, you get exactly what you believe for. That's exactly how it works. You get exactly what you believe for. So this is Second Corinthians 9 and 8. And this is a financial uh, verse. This is talking about resources. This is talking about finances because Second Corinthians 8 and 9 is all talking about finances. Paul is talking all about, the Apostle Paul is talking all about finances. If you was to take this verse out of context, you take a text out of context, you take the text out of context, you're just left with a con. Okay, and some people take these verses in, in second, that will hit you later. It's that some of these are, they take these verses in Second Corinthians 8 and Second Corinthians 9 out of context. And the whole of these two chapters are talking all about finances. And right here, this is Second Corinthians 9 and 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, that's me and you, people here, you having all sufficiency in all things, not just, a, just a, enough, not just Sometimes get my needs met, sometimes don't get my needs met. No, Paul is saying here, God's grace is able to give you all sufficiency in all things. 
That means your bills paid. That means food on the table. That means clothing and putting shoes on your kids. That means having transportation. That means having somewhere to live. All your needs met. And God is El Shaddai. He's not El Cheapo. Okay, he's not into like, he's not, he's not into just enough. He wants to look after his kids. He looks after his kids. He obeys his own word. God's, God's word. Do you think God does something different from his word? Well, God says in First Timothy, if you, don't, if you don't provide your own household, you're worse than an unbeliever. God provides for his own household. You're the house of God. God provides for you. He wants to provide for you. His grace will provide for you. It's already done. And then look at the next part. It says, may have an abundance for every good work. We shouldn't just be believing for our own resources. We should be believing for abundance for every good work. We should be believing for an abundance for every good work. And the thing is, is, it's already paid for. Grace has already provided your abundance, your prosperity. Now, when I say prosperity, I try and teach these messages without ever saying the word prosperity. Sometimes I manage to do it, and it's amazing how I've actually preached th- things similar to this, and I've talked to people afterwards and said, actually, that's a great message about abundance and about resources and everything else. But I'm so glad you didn't teach on prosperity. <laughs> I just talk prosperity. When you say prosperity, people get a wrong idea. Like, I was in Cape Town last week and we had people come against us and say, you're one of those prosperity teachers. You're a prosperity gospel teacher. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I don't even believe there's a prosperity gospel. I believe there's a gospel. And the true gospel, one of the side effects is prosperity. Just like one of the side effects, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it, it says, you know, he made Jesus, God made Jesus sin on the cross so that us, through, through that action, could take on his righteousness. Right. That's a great exchange. St. Corinthians 5.21. So he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we could be made the righteousness of God. I put it there for me. That we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. If you're born again today, which hopefully everyone is, if you're not, we can fix that. Come and see us afterwards. We'd love to lead you and show you how you can meet Jesus today. But if you're born again today, this verse applies to you. You are already righteous regardless of your actions. That's the gospel. Now, if you really believe it and you start fellowshipping with Jesus and you start pursuing God, your actions will change. But your actions don't determine your right standing with God. Your right standing with God is because you believe in Jesus and Jesus paid for your right standing with God. Jesus paid for righteousness. It's the same with healing. You know, uh, Jesus took pain on his body. He, 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 he had pain and disease in his body on the cross. He took our sin, uh, sickness and disease and we get his health and healing. That's that how it works. You can look at... Uh, 1 Peter 2.24 and many other verses about how Jesus took our sickness and we get his health and healing. Well, it's the same with resources. It's the same with finances. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says that he, though he was rich, yet for our sakes, for your sakes, he became poor so that us, through his poverty, might become rich. We might be made rich because of Jesus' poverty. See, Jesus paid for lack and poverty. We don't have to experience it anymore. He experienced it on the cross. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, had, he was naked, he was hungry, he had nothing to his name. He experienced extreme lack on the cross. He had nothing on the cross. Remember, this is the creator of the universe, came down in a, a body of a man and gave up everything. Gave up everything he had and became poor on a cross. Was made poverty so that we might be made rich. That's the gospel, that's how it works. It's the great exchange, the gospel. Paul puts it this way in Romans uh, 8.37. In Romans 8.37, he says, you know, in all these things, we talk about all these things, we as the body of Christ are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I often wonder, what does more than a conqueror look like? I love this illustration. My kids say, Dad, you tell this illustration a lot. I say, kids, I say, while people are laughing and they get it, I'm going to keep telling it. 
But they said, sometimes you're the only one laughing. But anyway, this is my, this is my illustration. I like it. It helps me understand it. So I'm gonna, until I come up with a better one, imagine two boxers, heavyweight boxers, right? You've got like, uh, in, in America, they had Mike Tyson. I'm from England. We moved to America 10 years ago. And in England, growing up as a kid, we had, uh, uh, who do we have? Lennox Lewis and, and uh, uh, Frank Bruno. He was too nice. Frank Bruno was a really nice guy. Frank Bruno would fight Mike Tyson. And they'd have a heavyweight fighting match, you know, heavyweights. And they'd be fighting, boxing each other. And then one would knock the other one down. And then the other one would be knocked out. And they'd lift up his arms and they'd say, he is the champion of the world. You've seen that? When they lift up his arms. He's the champion of the world. He's the world champion. And they'd give him a big gold belt. They'd put it on his shoulder and the, and the belt would say, world champion, heavyweight champion of the world. And then they'd give him a purse, which I think is interesting. I mean, he's a grown man. Why not give him like a check or a, or a, or a wallet or just cash? Why give him a purse? A purse sounds a bit girly, but they give him a purse. The prize money in boxing is called a purse. They give him a purse and it's like $50 million. I'm not exaggerating. It's like $50 million prize money for that one fight. And they give him this $50 million prize money purse. And they lift up his arms, and you know, he's been fighting, he's a little bit, you know, Adrian, you know, he's a little bit, and they go, and they say, they say, he's the champion of the world, okay? Now, he's a conqueror, he has conquered, he's a conqueror. Then his wife, she jumps in the ring, she walks confidently across the canvas, she leans out and kisses him on the cheek, she takes that $50 million prize money, and she goes down to the shopping centre to spend it. Now, he's a conqueror, she is more than a conqueror, amen, she's more than a conqueror. Let me tell you, in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. See, Jesus has paid it all for you. Jesus paid for your righteousness. He's paid for your healing. He's paid for your peace of mind. And he's paid for your prosperity, for your provision. He's paid for it already. And now, through our relationship with him, because Jesus is our husbandman, through our relationship with him, we get all the benefits. We don't have to do any of the fighting. She didn't even get sweaty. She just came in, kissed him, and took that money. That's what the gospel is. And you say, that's too good to be true. That's the gospel. It's all through relationship with Jesus. Everything you need is through relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, your prosperity comes through relationship with Jesus. The minute you try and take provision outside of Jesus, we get in trouble. We go to Jesus. Jesus is our prosperity. Jesus is our husbandman. Jesus is the one who gives us everything we need to do everything he's called us to do. Amen? So that's our goal should be having more than enough. God, in fact, God's plan for you is to have more than enough. Amen. You've got a choice today. You can either believe it or not. It's up to you. No one can force you. Even God cannot force you. God cannot force you to believe this. You know, God's not willing that any should perish, but it's their choice whether they believe it or not, whether they believe on heaven or on Jesus to get to heaven or not. Agreed? It's the same with the benefits of, of the gospel. It's the same with, with healing. It's the same with your provision. It's the same with peace of mind. You have to believe and accept it. If you, don't, if you don't want it, you don't have to believe it. And many people in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter what continent I'm on, many people in the body of Christ, they just don't believe it for various reasons. Sometimes because they've seen it abused. And they've had bad experience. And they've seen people you know, do it when it's all self-serving. Especially when it comes to finances, prosperity. It's self-serving. Bigger this, bigger that. I was at one church, I said, I said, some preachers are out there, and it was a slip of the tongue. I said, some preachers are out there, and all they want is a bigger house, bigger car, bigger wife. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, but, but that's true, that's what happens. There's an abuse of this message, just like there's an abuse of all things. Don't let them, them experiences of that bad, that bad uh, example put you off the truth. Okay. Then there's the other side of it where people just don't understand it and they think, you don't understand my situation, this cannot be for me. And they reject it. Either way, you're not going to experience God's best. God's best for you is that you have your needs met. And not just your needs met, you have enough and extra for others to be able to give. To be able to give to your church, to be able to give to ministries, to be able to give to your neighbours. I know every single one of you in here. 
And I doubt there's anyone of you in here that wouldn't like to give extra. Would, you've got a friend who's in need, you wouldn't like to help them out. You've got a neighbor that needs to, you wouldn't like to help them out. You've got a situation where you want to, you know, we, we believe to, for a church building. We, we, we've got a building fund here. We believe for a church building. I believe we're going to have a, a, a beautiful building here in Johannesburg so Faithfield Church can attract more people, see more people born again, see more people set free, praise God. So we believe for that. That takes finances. We should want extra so we can give in to them type of things. I love giving. I love giving into extra things. We've built houses in Nicaragua for, for uh, families down there that have no houses. We've built Bible, a Bible school in Asia, brick and mortar Bible school. Uh, we've, uh, we've sponsored children. We've done all sorts of things, partnered with many ministries. I'm not saying all that to, to boast. I'm saying that because I'm talking about finances. That's my motivation. See, our motivation needs to be not just about us. It needs to be about the kingdom of God. And God wants to use you to be able to be a... In fact, uh, Deuteronomy 8.18... Deuteronomy 8.18. Let's look at that together. Deuteronomy 8.18. Look at that. They beat me to it. And you should remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the power to get wealth. See, he's given us the power to get wealth. Again, this, the word of God does not distinguish between your, in your situation, where you are, who you are. I've seen this work in so many different situations. I've seen this work in, in prisons. I was in, doing some prison ministry. And those prisoners there, they got a hold of this, and they started to prosper in their prison cells where they weren't even allowed money. You're not allowed money in prison. But they started prospering. They started believing the word of God and started prospering. And they're the only prisoners with these fancy, eating fancy food and, and drinking nice tea. And all the other prisoners, you know, they were, they were picking up old tea bags and using it. No, they had brand new tea bags and just throwing them away. They had excess in prison. This works. I've seen it work in Asia. I've seen it work in Europe. I've seen it work in South America. And I'm going to see it work in Africa, praise God. I'm already seeing it working here, praise God. So he gives you the power to get wealth. that He may establish his covenant which you swore to your fathers is this day. The reason he gives us the power to get wealth, when we put, you have the power to get wealth. Yeah. Amen. You're supernatural. You, you do something naturally. You put your hand to something in the natural, and God's going to add his super to it. And as long as, you, as long as we don't mess it up by our stinking thinking, and going, oh, that's, that's just for those you know, American gospel, you know, uh, uh, prosperity gospel teachers, or that's just, I don't believe in that stuff. As long as we don't negate it by doing that, you will see increase on what you put your hands to. You will see increase on what you put your hands to. It's, it's inevitable. You believe the word of God, you put your hand to something, you're going to see the increase. You, God's going to put his super with your natural. In fact, every time in the Bible when there's supernatural increase, there's a natural action first. They did something in the natural first. And I'm, I'll come back to that in a minute. Remind me, I'll come back to that. I'm going to show you how, how that works. But God has given you the power to get wealth. And we need to believe it. We need to believe that God's already made us prosperous in the spirit realm. He's already prosperous. He's already, it's a done deal. It's paid for. And someone said, well, actually, you don't understand. I've got no, I haven't got any money. I, haven't got any, I can't afford to, to buy food. I'm, I'm broke. Or whatever your situation is. That doesn't mean you're not prosperous. Just like if you, if you, act, if you, if you, if you don't act righteous, it doesn't change your right standing with God. Praise God for that. Sometimes you would be driving. Someone cuts you up. And my kids say, Dad, why are you questioning that man's education? <laughs> you don't even know him. I was like, well... So we could sin, right? That doesn't mean you, you say, oh, that's... I've seen some of you turn up, you know, anyway. Some of you fighting in the parking lot and then coming here. Ah, praise the Lord, Pastor. We can sometimes mess up, right? Can we agree? We can, our actions don't often, don't always look like we're righteous. But the fact is, you are righteous in the spirit. If you start identifying your actions, well, look how, look how bad I am. I'm a sinner. You're going to start to go down that road. Whatever you magnify, whatever you focus on gets magnified. If you focus on your problems, your, your, your sin is going to get magnified. But if you focus on, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then that will get magnified and you'll start living a righteous life by accident. 
I mean, that's how it works. It's the same with, with your, your finances, your provision. If you start meditating on the lack, I haven't got, I haven't got, I can't give, I can't, I haven't got any extra, I haven't got enough. If you start focusing on that, that's what's going to happen. That's what you're going to experience. So by faith, what we do is, is we, we line ourselves up, we renew our minds, Romans 12, too, we renew our minds to the word of God, and we focus on the truth about it. See, there's, there's a truth, you know, the truth may be that we're short of something. I have situations when in our ministry and stuff. I'm thinking, man, I need to believe God for extra here. I'm, I want to. I want to be able to do more. And I'm, sometimes I'm frustrated. I can't do. I can't do this. And I can't do that. We need to focus on who the Bible says we are, not on what we see. And that's renewing your mind. All renewing your mind is is going to the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God say I am? Who's the Word of God say I am? And that's the truth. And then you start focusing on that, focusing on the Word of God, and you start you start renewing your mind to the truths of the Word of God. Pastor DeFaro has got so, such great teaching on renewing your mind. You'll be blessed. He's got his books back there. Get his books on this. Go on YouTube. You can, you can see, I've been listening to it. It's excellent on how to renew your mind to the Word of God. You do that in this area of, of finances. You can do it in any area. If you do it in the area of finances, you'll start to realize, no, I'm not someone with, with nothing. I'm not someone who hasn't got anything. I'm someone who's got something, however small it is, and I'm going to use that something for the kingdom, and I'm going to do it by faith, and I'm going to see God's supernatural power come on my natural actions. And I'm going to see increase. And that's how it works. But you have to start off believing that you're prosperous. You have to start off, it's God's will for you to prosper. Yeah. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to prosper, you're not going to experience God's prosperity in your life. And even if you are prospering now, we should always believe him for more. Remember the yeah. first verse we read, having an extra for every good work. How many of you can give, I'm not asking a show of hands, how many of you can give to every good work? There's a lot of good work. If you're giving a lot at the moment, we'll give you more places to give. There's a lot of good work going on. I'm serious. There's, there's, there's other ministries out there. There's churches. There's, there's feeding programs. There's benevolent funds. There's so many good works out there. We should want so much extra so we can keep giving to good works. That's where we should be. So we need to believe it's God's will to, for us to prosper. And once we believe that, and settle it in our hearts. And that comes by hearing the word of God. That's no other way around it. You've got to read the truth about who you are in Christ. You've got to, you've got to come, to a, this, come to a church that's going to teach you about this type of stuff, a church like this. It's amazing to me, but even, you know, in America, people go to churches and they don't teach on it's God's will for us to prosper. And I say, what do you teach on finance? Well, we don't like talking about money. People get, when we talk about money, people get funny because some people have got, haven't got any money and some people have got some money. And the, ones with some, the ones with money get offended because they think they're just, you're just after their money. And the ones without money get offended because you're teaching about giving and they think they haven't got anything to give. So, so we don't talk about money at all. And I can understand that. This is in America. I can understand that. So I said, how do you do your offerings? Well, we've got a little coffee can. Where's, Jim, where's the coffee can? Oh, it's out the back somewhere. So if you want to give, you can type a give in the coffee can. But shh, don't tell anyone because we're a bit embarrassed. England's even worse. This has been televised, praise the Lord. Welcome to our online viewers on YouTube and Facebook around the world. I'm just ragging on all these nations. Whole continents I'm taking down. North America, let's go for Europe. Let's go for Europe now. I'm English. I'm English. I live in America. I've got, I guess I've half got the right to do this. English are even worse. They talk about money. Oh, you talk about money. You can see, I preach this in England. You see everyone's arms get folded. You're not talking about money. People get scared. It's funny. People, people don't like it because there's a few reasons why. One reason is they think that God's after their money or the preacher's after their money. Okay? Now, maybe there's some bad preachers out there that are doing that. I understand that. If you feel manipulated or anything, don't give to them. That's one way of shutting them down. If they're on television telling you, if you don't give X amount of money, you're not going to minister, then cross your arms and say, I'm not giving that money. Okay? You won't get that here. You won't get that here, I'm telling you. This is, this, here, you're going to get taught right. But sometimes people think that, that the preacher's after money or God's after their money. Let me just square this away for you now. God is not after your money. 
He does not need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He does not need a penny of your money. Okay, that's the truth right there. The reason he's trying to get you to give is because he wants to get more to you. See, God is the biggest giver. God's the biggest giver. John 3.16, he loved the world so much. What do you do? He gave his son. Listen, if he gave his son, he's not going to withhold anything from you. He is the biggest giver you'll ever meet. He's, I mean, he invented giving. He invented, he's, uh, Psalm 51, I believe it, it says he has a generous spirit. God is generous by nature. He's a giver and he loves to give. So anytime he's asking you to give, it's not because he needs your money. It's because he's trying to get more to you. And anytime in my life he's asked me to give, I tell you, he's asked me to give sometimes. And I've gone, many times he's asked me to give. <laughs> he's like, hey, you know the savings you got? Give all of it to that missionary over there. And I'll be like, I can't hear you, Lord. <laughs> like, I can't hear you. He's like, do it. And I've done it. And you know what? It's because God's trying to get more to me. Amen. Amen. God's only asking to give because he's trying to get more to you. It's not because he's trying to take from you. God doesn't take from you. So if you believe it's God's trying to take from you, then it's not going to work. The other reason people don't give is they're scared. They think, well, actually, you don't understand. If I give this that I have now, who's going to feed my children? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to put food on the table? Who's gonna, how am I going to the, pay the payment? How am I going to buy clothes, etc., etc.? Okay, that's another reason why people don't give. Well, you can look at Matthew 6. We won't, we won't go there, but you can go there in your own time. Matthew 6, Jesus lines it all out. He said, don't worry. God is your provider. God, your Father, knows exactly what you need. And if you do it His way, He'll provide your needs. See, at the moment, what's happening is, if you're not doing it God's way, you're doing it your way. Is it Lenny Kravitz, right? Are you going to go my way? So it's like, and then Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. So if we're doing it our way, which is a lot of the time we end up doing, what will happen is, is we'll try and make it happen, and we'll experience lack. If we do it God's way, God's going to supply for us. And when God supplies our needs, he supplies our needs better than we could supply our needs. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply your needs according to his riches in glory. Not according to uh, uh, South Africa's economy, Johannesburg's economy, your work economy, wherever you live, wherever you're from. Not according to that, according to his riches in glory. Let me tell you, heaven's economy is not having a recession. Heaven's economy is not short on anything. Heaven's economy is going to supply your needs. And when you do it God's way... It's amazing how that works out. So people get scared about, well, how, who's going to supply my needs? God will supply your needs. And if you read Matthew 6, you can read all the way through there how, how important it is. In fact, Jesus spent more time teaching on this than anything else. I get curious how some people say, Ashley, you often teach on finances and, and, and provision and God the provider. Why is that? I say, well, that's what Jesus did. He spent a lot of time on this. Is it the most important thing? No, it's the least important thing in the kingdom. But it's, I'm telling you, if we don't get this, it hinders other things. It really does hinder other things. And I haven't got time to go there, but you can look up uh, Mark 4.19. Jesus says there's only three things that choke the word of God in our life and make it unfruitful. And those three things are the cares of this world. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to provide for my family? The deceitfulness of riches. If only I had all that money like those rich people, I'd be happy and secure. That's deceit. That's deceitfulness of riches. Or you have got that money and you're, you're trusting it rather than trusting in God. Either way, it's deceitfulness of riches. Or the last for other things. If only I had this stuff. If only I had that stuff like sister so-and-so, I'd be happy. Those three things can actually choke the word of God in your life. That's what Jesus said. Not me, Jesus. Mark 4, 19. They can choke the word of God in your life and make it unfruitful. I don't know about you, I want the word of God to be fruitful in my life in every area. Praise God. That's why I love teaching on this. So don't be scared to give, praise God, because God, God's trying to get more to you. He's not trying to take from you, praise God. And then the third reason people don't want to give is they don't understand it. They don't understand the purpose of giving. And here's the thing. We're not really going to understand it of our minds, logically. Most of the things in the kingdom of God do not make sense to our logical minds. They're the opposite, in fact. The reason is, is because in Colossians 1.13, it says, you, when you got born again, you were taken from the kingdom of darkness and you're placed in the kingdom of the Son of His love. You changed address. Yeah. 
When you got born again, you changed address spiritually. And this is where we miss it sometimes. Because we've changed address spiritually, there's different ways of doing things in the new place we live, in the new kingdom, if you like. Ten years ago, I moved from, the, from Great Britain, United Kingdom, to America. Okay? We moved from there to America. I turn up in America, I find out they do things differently there. Very differently. My first experience was driving down a highway, three-lane road. I'm just praising the Lord. It's blue sky. People know where this is going. Blue sky. Praising the Lord. I look up and there's three cars coming head on towards me. Head on. I thought, what are these three idiots doing on the wrong side of the road? Then I realize it's me. In America, they drive on the other side of the road. I'm glad you got it right here in South Africa, praise God. You, you got it right. But in America, and it, you know what? It took some adjusting. Even now, I'll be at the gas station. Petrol station, sorry. In American. I get the petrol station and I'll get in the wrong side. Seriously, because I'm so used to, to sitting on the right side of the car. I have to think about it. On the right side of the car. No, I'm so used to sitting on the... Yeah, so now I have to sit on the left side of the car. I'm confused. Listen, when, when I get back to America, people better watch out because I'll be driving all over the place. But I'll get in. One time I got in the car the wrong side, sat down, put my seatbelt on, looked up, no steering wheel. And I'm like, I know, where's my steering wheel gone? Someone stole it. And I think, people are looking at me thinking, what's this crazy guy doing? He's, he's on the wrong side of the car. I'm on my own. So I open the glove box up, look through there. The owner's manual. That's what I wanted. I wanted the owner's manual. Still good. Get back out. Get back in again. So it took me some time. But you know what? If I said, I like driving on the... Left. You drive on the left, right? I like driving on the left. I don't want to drive on the right. All my life I've driven on the left. It's more comfortable to drive on the left. I prefer driving on the left. If that was my attitude, living in America, what do you think would happen? I'd be very frustrated, in a wreck, or dead, right? Because I'd be trying to do it my way. And I don't understand why the Americans drive on the right. I love you, America. I don't understand why Americans drive on the right. I don't want to participate in their way of doing things. I'd be very frustrated. See, how many of you know, when you change kingdom... Everything changed. And it's the opposite to the world's way of doing things. What about if you have an enemy? What does the kingdom of God say? Love them. It's the opposite. What about if you want to be the greatest leader? You've got to be the greatest servant. It's the opposite. What about if, if, if uh, you know, you, you, someone wrongs you, you forgive them. Someone hits you, you turn the other cheek. Someone steals your, your, your tunic. I don't even know what a tunic is. If someone steals your tunic, give them a coat as well. Okay? This is the... If you want wisdom, speak in Babel, speak in tongues to get wisdom, right? It's, um, all the powerful things in the kingdom of God work opposite because you are not, your address is not, is not earth anymore. Your address is heaven. That's why you're one spirit of him in the Lord. That's why you're seated with him in heavenly places. That's why you're ambassadors here on earth. So you must do your finances heaven's way, not the world's way. If you do it the world's way, you're going to be frustrated. Just like me trying to drive down a motorway on the wrong side of the road. Can you imagine that? That's what we're doing sometimes in our, in our walk with God. We're trying to do it the world's way. And especially in this area of finances because it's so tangible. That's why I believe Jesus spoke more on this than anything else. If we get it with finances, we'll understand it in other areas a lot easier. Because finances is tangible. Where our treasure is, our heart is also. One time I preached this at church and I grabbed someone. I said, brother, let me have your wallet. I should have done it here. It's too late now. I said, brother, let me have your wallet. I took his wallet and I ran out the door. Gone. Seriously, it was fun. And I ran back again five minutes later. And I said, now, I said, he may have been here, but his heart was with me. Said, Wherever our treasure is, our heart is. So I, there's a connection there. So that's why, that's why I believe Jesus took it. So when it comes to finances, the world would say, if I have a lack, if I'm, if I'm in lack, I need, I need more. I need to make sure I'm more careful. I need to budget that lack. I need to make sure I don't spend any. I need to make sure I'm a good steward. Now, there's a balance to all this. I'm not telling you all to go crazy, but I'm just saying, focusing on the lack, trying to budget the lack, 
trying to stretch the lack. He doesn't overcome the lack. Good overcomes evil. Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. Romans 12, I think. So we need to overcome lack with prosperity. We need to overcome lack with poverty. And the world's way to say, just hold all you can. Hold on tight and just, dear God, don't let anyone touch your money. Especially not the church. Okay? The kingdom way of doing things is Proverbs 11.24. Proverbs 11.24 puts it this way. There's one who scatters. There's one who gives, yet increases more. Doesn't make sense to your natural mind, right? But does loving your enemy, does, does uh, forgiving someone who's wronged you, does serving to be promoted, does, you know, does all these things, being last and, and you'll be first, these things don't make sense. It's because we, let, we live in the spirit now. We live, our home address is heaven. So heaven's way of doing finances is you give and you increase. There's one who withholds more than is right and it leads to poverty. Let me just challenge you with this. If we're experiencing lack, even though it's contrary to our natural thinking, the Bible says the reason we're experiencing lack or poverty is because we've been withholding too much. You say, actually, that makes no sense. So there's a lot of things in the kingdom of God, not to our natural mind. It makes perfect sense to your spirit. It makes perfect sense to your spirit. Your spirit will get this, I'm telling you. If you, if you pray, your spirit will get this, but your natural mind will be like, don't do it. We're going to die. <laughs> it's not going to work. That's what your natural mind is like. Just don't worry about it. No, you're, you're, you live out your spirit. You have the mind of Christ. You live out your spirit. Don't go by what your mind says. Praise God. And there's been times in my life I've been challenged with this, about to do this. You know, God tempts us with good. He'll tempt you with good. He'll say, come on, believe me. Believe me in this. He wants you out of lack, any kind of lack. He wants you out of lack and poverty more than anyone, more than you want it. Yeah. He wants you to live in abundance. He wants you to have more than enough for every good work, praise God. And when you give, I'm telling you, what happens is when you give, you're going to increase. And the seed you sow. Look at 2 Corinthians. Turn to me 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So, oh, so, sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. It says this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. God even gives you the seed to sow. Wow. This is awesome. God's so good, he even gives you the seed so that you can sow it, and he gives you food to eat. He looks after your needs as well. Right there. So your income, whatever that looks like, whatever type of money comes into you, However small it is seemingly, I always say seemingly small, because God doesn't work on amounts, praise God. He works on percentages. On. He doesn't work on amounts. So however seemingly small, you say, actually, this is, so, this is such a little amount. No, you can give that into the kingdom and God can, God can increase. It says right here, your seed will be sowed, the seed you sow will increase and be multiplied. The seed you sow will be, be multiplied, praise God. So you, the, the, the little thing you have, you say, actually, you don't know about my situation. I have so little. You know, there's, there's been so many, so many times in the Bible they thought it wasn't enough. We haven't got time to go there, but some examples. Feeding the 5,000. We talk about lack. talk about poverty. 5,000 men and women and children. Could have been 20,000 people, but 5,000 is enough, right? And all they've got is a few loaves and a few fish. That's it. And they come to Jesus and say, all we've got is a few loaves and a few fish. This is all we've got. What are so few among so many? This is, this is a joke. This isn't going to work out. That's like having, you know, five rand and you've got a, a million rand bill to pay. That's our percentage. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. This is so little. What did Jesus do? He said, bring him here to me. Jesus gave thanks to God. We need to give thanks to God what we have already. Yeah. And however, whatever situation, start thanking God for what you have. Yeah. Start thanking God for, for salvation. Start thanking God for your family. Start thank, finding things to thank God for. The more you thank God for, on whatever little you have, start thanking God for that little because that's seed. You've got seed. God's given you seed. So he took them seeds. He thanked God for it. And then he sowed that seed. And that seed increased. As he sowed it, the disciples took it and they sowed it. And that seed increased. Now, have you known the disciples and Jesus, they were hungry too. 
They could have eaten those loaves and fish, had themselves a little meal. Forget about the other 5,000. We could just eat this ourselves. Right? And that's sometimes what we do. See, God has already provided for us. And what happens is we end up eating our seed. You know, they say you can count, you can't count how, no, you can count how many seeds in an apple. So you've got an apple, right? There's seeds in there. There's usually about, I don't know, eight or ten seeds in an apple. You can count how many seeds in an apple, right? When you cut an apple open, you can see the seeds. But you can't count how many apples in one seed. Because here's what happens. You get an apple. If you eat it all and eat the seeds and you don't sow any, then you have no more apples. This is type of, I know this is like primary school, elementary stuff, but I just want to, it helps me understand. If you take that apple, take a portion of it out, which is the seeds, and sow the seed portion and eat the food portion, then seeds will grow into trees that produce more apples every season. And, every, and all those apples are then going to have more seeds in it that you could then eat and then sow. Yeah. It's exponential growth. Yeah. It's exponential growth. Right. Exponential growth. When you sow seeds, it's exponential growth. Yeah. There's no limit with God. And we've limited God of our natural thinking and thinking, there's no way I can get out of my situation from where I'm from or where I live. There's no way I can get out of my situation with the amount of money I've got at the moment. There's no, yeah, there is. God's way is we sow and we increase. Feeding the 5,000. You've got the widow woman with oil, 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. She she said to Elisha, she said, Elisha, I'm in trouble. She was so poor. She experienced so much lack. Her sons were going to be taken away and imprisoned. Her husband had already died. They were going to take her sons away and imprison them. You know what happened? She said to Elijah, help me. Sometimes we go to God, right? We say, God, just help me. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of us say, God, just, just rain money down. Give me money. I just need money. Just give me money. That's not how the kingdom works. Yeah. He's given us authority. Yeah. He won't do it that way. He's given us authority. So she says to Elisha, help me. I'm in trouble. My sons are going to be imprisoned. I've, I've got lack. I've got poverty. What did Elisha say to her? What have you got in your house? What have you got available? She said, well, I've got a little bit of oil. He said, that's okay. We can use that. Just that little bit of oil. And he gave her a specific instruction. He said, go back, close the door. He said, get some pots and then get ready. And, and close the door, you and your sons. And then as she started pouring that oil into the pots, the oil just kept increasing and kept increasing. Supernatural increase of that little seed. Now, what she said, I've got nothing in my house. She would have missed the miracle. You know, she used that little thing she had in the house, in her hand. She used that little thing in the house. And we could go on and on. We water into wine. They got water pots and turned it into wine. We could, the the, the, the uh, fishing story, when they were, he said, cast your nets over the other side. They went from no fish to so many fish, they couldn't contain it, and two boats started to sink. God's supernatural provision starts with a natural act of obedience. However small it is, it doesn't matter. There's a, a widow woman in, in uh, Luke 12. She gave two little coins. Gave two little coins in the offering. Jesus was watching how they gave. She gave two little coins. Now, Jesus didn't say to her, hey, miss, you're a widow. This is your last two coins. You don't need to give. Leave the giving to the people with money. You, don't, you, you can't afford to give. Jesus never said that, did he? He let her give. And in fact, he turned around. He taught his disciples on that woman. He said, this woman, she has given generously. She is, she is an abundant giver. She's given generously. And, and I know that woman's now prospering. Or she went away and prospered. Because that was Jesus, Jesus commended her giving. Even though she had a little, just a little, she, he commended her giving. You see, sometimes we say, I can't afford to give. Now, you can't afford not to give. When you're in the situation when you can't afford to give, you need to be giving more. Any time in our life when we've been up against the wall and it looks like we're going to go broke, we're not going to make it, we up our giving. Yeah. I'm serious. We up our giving. Now, we're not blackmailing God. We're not trying to twist God's arm or anything. We just know the power in seed. And when you, when you sow seed, 2 Corinthians 9 10, it's going to increase back to you. Yeah. That's how it works. So you sow these seeds and they increase. But here's the problem. If you don't sow the seeds, if you just eat the apple, don't sow the seeds. If you just eat all your income, however, however your income comes, if you just eat all your income, 
You're not going to see God's provision. You say, Where, where's God provided? No, God's already provided for us. It's just in seed form. It takes faith for us to sow it. And as we sow it, we'll see the increase. Praise God. God's will is abundance for you. God's will is supernatural abundance. He wants to give you more than enough, praise God. He wants to give you so much that you'll have to give some away. In that story I was telling you about Simon when he went fishing, Jesus said, he called out to him, hey, Simon Peter, you caught anything? He said, nothing. You know the story? He said, well, uh, cast your nets over the other side. Now, here's the thing. This is, this is Peter the fisherman, full-time professional fisherman. This is Jesus, professional carpenter. Okay? You ever thought about that? Jesus is saying, Peter could have said, Jesus, stick to making tables. I'm the fisherman. I'm the fisherman here. I've been out all night. You only catch fish at night. You don't catch fish during the day. I've been out all night. I've already washed my nets. I'm done for the day. I'm not going to try him for another catch. Jesus, no, no, cast your nets over the other side. See, Jesus gave him a command that was, didn't make sense to his natural mind. It didn't make sense to him naturally, but he did it out of obedience. Peter said, at your word, Lord. He said, I don't feel like it. My flesh is telling me no. My mind's saying, don't do it, Peter. You've already washed your nets. If you throw your nets back in again, you're going to have to wash them again. It's daytime. There's no fish out during the day. Don't listen to this crazy carpenter. You're the fisherman. You're the professional. That's what his mind was saying. But he said, no, Lord, at your word. At your word, I'm going to do it. And he threw his nets over the other side. And he caught such a catch that he began to sink his boat. He had to call out to his partners. Another whole message here about partnership. He had to call out to his partners and get his partners' boats involved. And they filled up their boats till they nearly sank. You know what? They could have filled up a hundred boats they nearly sank. There's no limit with God's resources. There's no limit with God's resources. That's why, that's why the, the woman with the, with the oil I just talked about, as soon as that last pot was full up, what happened to the oil? It stopped. See, God's going to give you supernatural increase up until the point you can believe for it, and then it's going to stop. Supernatural increase can only flow where supernatural increase can flow. The only limitation on God's resources is us. The only limitation on God's resources is us. Remember what he said, uh, Philippians 4.19, he supplies your need according to his riches. In glory. Uh, Mark 4.20. Mark 4.20 said some are going to receive the word and it's going to go in 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Have you seen that? 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. 100-fold. People throw that around, 100-fold. They say 100-fold. Well, that's just, you know, that's just 100 times. Well, 100 times is good. I've believed for 100 times and that's, praise God, I'm happy for 100 times. Okay? But it's more than 100 times. It's a fold. It's a fold. It's a fold. Show me that news there. It's a fold. See, when, when something's folded, here's what happens. First of all, when something's folded, you fold it, and what do you got in there? You've got increase. Okay? A fold creates increase. And then a fold again, and then a fold again, and a fold again. It's doubling every time. It's not times. It's double. And what it actually means, what Jesus was saying here, is, is limitless resources. Let me give you one quick example that will help, hopefully help you get your mind around this. It helps me. Imagine there's a chessboard. You play chess here, right? Or checkers. There's a board. And, you, and there's an old ancient proverb where this guy tricked this ancient ruler and he said, just give me one grain of rice on that chessboard and then on the next square, just give me two grains. And this ruler thought, this is easy. I mean, all I've got to do is double his grains of rice. No problem. He said, deal, I'll do it. So on the first square of chess, he put one grain of rice. On the second square, he gave two grains. Now stick with me. I'm not, this is not a trick question. How many on the third square? Four. Because it's doubling every time. The fold is double. How many on the fourth square? Eight. How many on the fifth square? How many on the... Where are we up to? 32? Yeah, eight, 16, 32, 64. See, it keeps doubling. 128 keeps doubling, right? So that keeps doubling. There's 64 squares. How much rice? If you just double the rice, that's all you're doing is doubling the rice each time. You're not adding to it. You're just doubling that one rice. How many grains of rice at the end of 64 squares will you have? So this is 64-fold. We're not talking about 100-fold. We're talking about 64-fold. 
How many grains of rice? Some of you got your iPhones out and your and your Androids out, trying to work out the math. Don't worry, whatever phone you've got, it'll say error. You won't be able to do it. You'll have to Google this when you get home. Okay, sixty-four fold of one grain of rice. You ready for this? It's so much rice, it's bigger than Mount Everest. Wow! Hey, Google, go back. You can fact check this. Snoop, check it. Whatever you do, you can check it all out. This is this is true. This is a mathematical phenomenon. So what happens is is it keep the fold just creates exponential growth. And it's actually limitless. So 64 times is a, is a mountain the size of Mount Everest. It's the world's rice production for 1,000 years. Oh, wow. So imagine China and all these countries producing rice. It's their rice for 1,000 years. That's how much 64 times is. A hundredfold is limitless. Wow. God's resources are limitless. I'm telling you, there's no limit of God's resources. And we need to start believing this and tapping into this. And when you start believing this, you, your attitude will change. Because now you're looking at things by abundance, not lack. Now you're seeing things. So it's okay, I can give this away because there's more coming. It's okay, I can believe it. it's not important anymore. You don't, you don't focus on the lack. You don't focus on, the, on what you haven't got. You focus on what you've got. And you, you start giving it away. And God will start blessing you. I'm telling you, this stuff works. And you see people that are prospering. The reason why they're prospering is because they've taken the limits off God. They've taken the, and this works anywhere, in any situation, any age. Some say, oh, actually, I'm too old. No, Colonel Sanders, KFC, didn't fry his first chicken until I think he was in his 70s. Okay? You're not too old. You're not too young. People say, actually, it doesn't work in, in this part. Of, no, it works in every part of town. It works in every part of town. It works in every country. It works in every town. It works in every continent. This works. This is the word of God. When this was written, this, the world didn't look like it looked, and it was still true. Today, it's still true. God's resources are limitless, and he wants us to tap into them. And as we tap into them, praise God, we're going to prosper. And I'm telling you what, what's going to happen is you're going to have increase, and you're going to have more apples, more seeds. You're going to take the seeds back, give them, put them back in the ground again, keep eating. You're going to eat better. You're going to have more harvest. You're going to have residual coming in. It's limitless, praise God. God's resources for you are limitless, and he wants you to prosper his way. And the blessing makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Yep. Now hear me, I'm not saying it's not going to be hard work. We put our hands to things, we're diligent, we do things God's way, but there's no sorrow with it. God's way is a clean way. God's way is a way you don't have to sacrifice your health, you don't have to sacrifice your family, you don't have to sacrifice... No, God's way is, is, the, is the best way, praise God. He wants to bless you, and one of the side effects of the gospel is prosperity, praise yeah. God. So let's believe it today. Let's believe that God's prospered. Whatever your natural situation looks like, don't worry about that. Let's believe in the spirit. The real you is prosperous. God's made you prosperous. And what do prosperous people do? They give. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There's one who gives and just keeps increasing. There's one who holds more than is right and it leads to poverty. So I'm going to challenge you today. The reason why I want to do the offering at the end is because I want to challenge you. This isn't about uh, the, an offering coming to Territory's Ministries. Believe me, if it was, I wouldn't be here. Trust me, this is not about us receiving an offering. I'm telling you, this is about you. You know, in Philippians 4, 17, Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds your account. I'm telling you, when you do this, the, the, your, your, the fruit in your, in your life is going to change. It's going to, especially if this is the first time you've trusted God with your finances. If this is the first time you've trusted God with your finances, hold on. It's awesome, because that's been the blockage to other things. Yeah. If we don't trust God in our finances, we can kid ourselves and think we do trust God, but we don't trust God in other areas of our life. And when we start putting God first in our finances, all the other things start being added to us. Matthew 6.33, right? So we start to trust God of our finances and all the other things will be added to us. So I want to, I want to challenge you today. Give, give by believing God. The good news is with God, it's every single person in this room, everyone could be a generous giver today. Every single person can give generously because it's all on proportion to what you have, not about amounts. Aren't you pleased about that? I'm pleased about that. I'm pleased about God saying, you've got to give this amount to be generous. No, he said, you give what you have. In fact, God asked me to give one time. I said, Lord, I said, 
That's almost all, everything I've got. He said, that's all I've asked you to give. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. So, so God asks you to give. Remember, he tempts you with good. He only tempts you with good. He doesn't tempt you with evil. He tempts you with good. So he's trying to get more to you. And he's trying to tempt you and bring you into a deeper relationship. And it really does work. When, you tr- when we trust God with our finances, man, it un- unlocks other areas of our life. It's amazing how that works.